Welcome to Meteor Earth Radio. This is your host, Abby Martin. This is Robbie Martin. We're brother and sister. <laughs> uh, it was funny when you were on the show that one one time and I just didn't say that you were my brother. And everyone was like, isn't that your brother? Why would you not just say this is my brother? Well, I think it's because I was on multiple, like three or four times or something. <laughs> But no, that you need to come on and talk about American Bisque, which is your new documentary. It's amazing. It's uh, talk a little bit about it. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, you know I'll release as a teaser the Obama part of it first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because that's the most relevant to what's going on now. And I, I also, as I was making it, I was almost dreading. I was sort of like uneasy and sort. Of, I didn't really know what I was going to do with and to make it like a watchable movie after sort of the 9-11 part was over. And then I, and then I realized, well, there hasn't really been an Obama movie about Obama sort of coming from the same angle that Michael Moore was in Fahrenheit 9-11. Like, and so I started to picture what that would, how that would play out. Like what would Michael Moore, you know, the old Michael Moore, the more like ballsy mm-hmm. Michael Moore, what kind of movie would he make about Obama now if he wasn't carrying water for him and defending him? And so I got excited about that. And then I just started realizing how much shit there was out there showing how Obama just totally contradicted himself from the campaign. And when he got into office and then on top of that, how many of the hints he dropped about what he was going to do, like going into Pakistan, he would Mm -hmm. talk about Mm -hmm. that constantly in the campaign. It was like one of his main things. Um, and, and that's what's so great. I've never seen anything compiled that way. Like, you've always seen little clips here and there. Or like, we always know, oh, yeah, Bush is the same as Obama or Obama lied and flip-flopped and stuff. But you, I've never seen it laid out so well where there's just you just see it. You see the timeline unfold right in front of your eyes, going from Bush to Obama, all the lies, the agitation, propaganda, everything. Yep. I mean, it's astounding. And I, and I felt... I felt like this movie was made for, I, I wasn't trying to talk down to the audience when I made it. Cause like even movies like Fahrenheit 9-11, I think they expect you to be going in with not a very, like a low information voter type of perspective mm-hmm. or something like, cause they'll like in Fahrenheit 9-11, they'll show clips of Bush, like what he said at one point, that like cut was something he said at another point, like back and forth. But in this movie, I try to just, let the audience understand that they, you know, they're watching a clip of Obama saying something. And then in the timeline, a year will pass and he'll say something completely the opposite Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. without having to sort of cut back and forth showing you, Oh, he's lying. You know, he's contradicting himself here. So it's all sort of like, and people can have their own interpretation of it since there is no narration. You can come out of the movie with drastically different interpretations. Exactly. That's what's so good about it. And yeah, you're not, you're not dumbing down the movie for the audience. It's just people seeing the propaganda machine play out in real time. Almost. It's like, it's like just the last 50 years condensed into a couple hours where you're just watching it all unfold and kind of realizing how it is we got here. Because I asked myself that a lot. I'm just like, how did we get here? Yeah. Um, How did we get to where we are? How did we get to this level of just kind of apathy and and uh, tolerance for the system that we're living in. Um, and this is how. Complete lawlessness. And, and really, this is it. I mean, this is the movie that really lays it all out. And, and things like the Jessica Lynch thing and, and the Pat Tillman thing, too. I love how you didn't leave any stone unturned. I mean, it's, it's just everything in your face. 
um, all at once. All the lies. Yeah. All all of it. Just right and, there. <laughs> and there's also a special focus, like the probably the most work that I actually put into it. A lot of this stuff was very easy to find because it was just, you know, it's either been in the news or it's new newer stuff is easy to find. But the stuff that I found the hardest to find was was stuff that wasn't necessarily about nine eleven itself, but stuff about the Afghanistan war rhetoric and how that was waged and how they were able to do that so quickly. So like there's a ton of that stuff. I just never even saw before. Like I don't even remember seeing it back then. It just, right, almost, it just right. seems like a blur. Like how did right. we go from nine 11 to like four days later, you know, authorizing the use of force like instantly. Right. So, and even like the Dean scream part, I mean, you know, we're, I remember at the time when, when Howard Dean was running and I liked him and I was like, oh, this guy is really great. And then Carrie kind of became this prominent one. And, and in the debates, people are saying, Carrie, I don't know who that kid was that was like in the debate that kind of called him out. And he was like, you're just swaying with it for the popular opinion right now is about the war because you enthusiastically voted for Iraq. Oh, you know who that guy was? Who was that guy? He, it was, it was actually the Senate race. Like, I guess oh, the Senate oh. race happened like before the primaries. Oh, crazy. So it was like someone trying to uh, like run against really him for good, a Senate It was like seat. a really good, like, call out. Like, yeah. public shaming of the fact that Carrie is just, like, swaying wherever the wind fucking blows. He's the biggest shill ever. Well, yeah, and, and so then, was every every other Democrat oh, was, yeah. too. They all voted yeah. for the Iraq war, and then at the same time, they were all like, okay, let's, let's be They're anti-war like, all right, now. Dude, like, yeah, remember? It would have been political suicide at that point for them to be pro-war, so that's the only reason they did it. And the, and the Howard Dean scream, anyone who remembers that whole uh, 2004 presidential run-up, um, it's just so disturbing because Howard Dean was a little bit more radical than the other candidates that were running, and he gives this enthusiastic speech, gives a little bit of a yell, he's like, yeah! And the media plays that over and over again, completely smears him, and then the next day they're like, oh! shockingly Howard Dean, you know, this is what really killed Howard Dean. Look, yeah. at how, look at how much his poll numbers dropped. It's like, well, yeah, I wonder fucking why. I wonder why his poll numbers dropped that much, huh? Yeah. Because the media picked up this fucking thing. So I don't know on whose accord, obviously like someone had, had a reason to have the media play that over and over again to totally discredit him. And it happened like a day. It shows you how easy it is. And if anyone watches house of cards, they, they, they saw, like, that this, this shit is real. This shit is happening. Yep. And it's very easy to do. Like, they just pick one thing, and they can have the media totally discredit you within one day. Yeah, yep. And, uh, and that's what we saw with Howard Dean. It's interesting, too, to watch Tom and Tom Daschle's trajectory in the movie. There's only mm-hmm. He only appears mm-hmm. a few times, but he he was the probably the most prominent person to get sent anthrax that was in the government. And... Not too long after that, he started um, in his like daily press briefings. He openly talked about and had didn't seem to have any fear about talking about how the Bush administration, including Bush and Cheney, had both told him to not investigate 9-11 repeatedly. No, no investigation whatsoever. It wasn't that they were trying to postpone it or limit it. They wanted no investigation at all. Yeah, and Tom Daschle's sitting there, and, and people are like, wait, so he told you to not investigate it at all? And and it seemed like Tom Daschle was rationalizing it to himself by saying, well, yeah, we immediately get involved in this ground occupation, so they kind of want all the focus on that. 
It's like, the, why Why would we go back and investigate, like, 9-11 when we're already in, like, a whole war, yeah. gearing up for another like war? Like a war footing. Yeah. yeah, it's like, well, that, you know, it's almost like he was trying to, like, he was, like, had some cognitive dissonance about what that even meant at the time, that mm-hmm. he was kind of saying that to the reporters. And, you know, we always talk about how horrible the media did after 9-11 and how it got us into these wars and, and didn't ask the right questions. But really, what your movie shows is that a lot of people did ask really pointed questions and there were a lot of people at the forefront journalists etc who were interrogating these people there were there were a lot of ones that i was surprised by like ones that are now you would just consider them completely establishment horrors that have no independent thought like for instance peter jennings um he he, he's in the movie a lot like he does he's doing stories on the nightly news on abc about the insider trading on 9-11 um they do stories on the Afghanistan um, opium uh, thing, how the soldiers like protect the, the Afghans opium fields, um, how they pay them for burn down opium fields. And then John King from CNN is like grilling uh, Ari Fleischer about the fact that he claims nobody in the administration knew about a potential or the, even the idea that hijackers would, would crash planes into buildings and use them as weapons. And all these people now, when you see them, you, you don't, you just assume that they have always been these robotic sort of non-opinionated people. You know, Bob Schaefer is out there now trying to smear Edward Snowden and he's there grilling Ari Fleischer about, you know, the, the, why aren't you investigating nine 11? Why did you tell Tom Daschle not to investigate? It's just strange. It's kind of a, it just seems like polar opposite, you know, it like how do they go it from that? Yeah. It makes me wonder what happened. First of all, what happened to all these people? And secondly, how come we never saw I guess it's like these people, well, we already know what happened with Jake Uger and we're seeing Jake Tapper gets his own show and, um, you know, he used to be a really hard hitting journalist in the press corps. So I, I don't really know. I mean, I don't know if they're just given more access and they kind of self-censor on their own or what, but I don't really remember seeing any of this footage. And I don't know if it was just, if you just found this in like C-SPAN archives or it's just like totally under the radar. Well, some of this stuff is John Gold found it on C-SPAN and posted it on YouTube because some of it's a lot of it I found I mean like you you just have to know it's like when you read things in articles and like if it says this is a quote from a press conference you know that at some point it's been it's been filmed right and C-SPAN would be the is the go-to place for most of those things so like I'm not going to give away like the trade secrets but there are ways to find out how to find these clips. You just have to right. dig for them. You, you eventually find them. Like I found the anthrax and bentonite nightly news uh, clip linking anthrax to Saddam Hussein back in October of 2001. And I've never seen, that's not on YouTube yet. And I'm about to put that on. Like, you know, there's clip, there's tons of shit out there that hasn't been put to the internet yet. That'll like horrify you. <laughs> that was, yeah. Uh, yeah. that was on the news. <laughs> Um, so yeah, everyone, everyone check this movie out. We'll link to the Obama part right here. So you can just check it out. Um, it's called American Bisque and it should be in full released soon. Highly encourage everyone to watch it. My brother being the awesome musician that he is as well, mirrored all of the music throughout the entire film to match the era of kind of the evolution of electronic music during, during the last couple of decades. So it's just, just like a work of art and it's just really cool and it's hard to watch all in one sitting. But it's really important that you watch it, and I can't endorse it enough. <laughs> Thanks, Abby. And in case the warning isn't clear enough on the YouTube video, there is a lot of disturbing footage in it. 
Um, there's, you know, it's all uncensored. So there's like, there's some footage in there of, you know, babies that have been napalmed in Vietnam and, um, animal killings in Iraq, stuff that is, that might be hard for certain people to watch. So, well, that's dirty wars shows a lot of dead children as well. And, and I think that that, I mean, I'm sorry if it's uncomfortable for people to see, but that's what's going on, and that's what you're paying for. Yeah. Like, that's what we pay for. So if you, like, I'm sorry that it might be uncomfortable for, like, a very fleeting moment for you to sit and watch this, but this is what's going on. And I'm not, and I also try to to avoid any sort of, like, overly heart-wrenching drama, dramatization of it. I, I actually, in a way, you know, I do, I show some of it sort of in this, like, hyper slapdash sort of way where it's like, there are, there's this, there's music going underneath the whole movie pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Even during some of this, this, this footage of violence. So it's, you know, in some ways you could, the movie is almost like a dark comedy in, in certain ways. There, there are parts that are funny. There are parts that are really disturbing. There are parts that are, um, that are emotional. I mean, there's, it kind of, it goes back and forth in these sort of weird jarring ways. The movie is intense to watch in one sitting. Did you ever see the clip of Bush? I just saw this, and it would have been great to include an American Fist, but of course you can't include everything. But Bush is being asked by some like college student at some college. This is when he's president, obviously, and this is after Blackwater and all these scandals are going on in Iraq. And she's just like, you know, these defense contractors, these private firms are not, they they don't adhere to any sort of like legal system under U.S. law. And she's just like, so how can we know that they'd be held accountable at all? Or how is there any accountability for them whatsoever? And Bush was like, he's like, you know what? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. Whoa. Like, I'm not, I can't answer it. He's like, and I'm going to dodge it conveniently. And what? I'm just like, what? That's like, amazing. It's, no, it's insane. Wow, it's he's insane. fucking badass. Dude, it's so crazy. Like, I was just like, this is the way he treated people. This is the I'm... way he treated questions. And the girl was like, well, I was hoping for a little bit more specifics than that. I'm going to hate like, I can't. He's like, I can't tell you anything. He's like, oh my God. next question. That's amazing. Like, Wait, this is literally how Bush treated like anyone who has to. I'm going to hate myself for saying this, but like, I do really miss Bush's aesthetics. Like, oh my he God, just, I know. He was like, so he just didn't give a shit. They were yeah. just, it just, yeah. it's pretty amazing totally to watch. He didn't give a shit. You know, he might've been an idiot. You know, Cheney might've really been calling the shots, but I mean, you know, Obama and him are war criminals, but who's a bigger hypocrite? You know, who, right. who actually represented themselves one way and is actually a completely different way. But Robbie, he's being blackmailed. His oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Held hostage. It's like, it's just, that, that's the slippery slope you get into when you start kind of exploring different things. It's like people immediately jump to a conclusion like, well, you know, that explains it. Like, that explains why Obama has turned into such a different person. It's like, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, once again, you're just putting your trust into a complete stranger who's lied in the past. So I don't. I just don't understand the inherent trust in politicians. Like I don't. Well, it's because they don't believe it. It's like desperation, but still, they don't. They don't look at it that way. Like people who do have that inherent trust, they won't admit that they have that because right. that almost that makes them seem vulnerable and like they right. could fall prey to just like brainwashing. And people don't. And it's like. Or they'll rationalize it in some other way by saying like, well, I just, you know, I didn't want to vote for Romney. Like it's better than Romney, you know, or whatever. It's, 
it, it's it's it is pretty astounding though. I mean, it is it is a very similar way to how Bush supporters acted during the Bush administration. Some Absolutely. of them defected, and some of them spoke out, but most of them didn't. Even. Right. During all that shit, even during the financial crisis, nobody, I don't remember Sean Hannity or like Bill O'Reilly going out and saying like how ridiculous it was that this is happening on Bush's watch, you know, <laughs> and how Hank Paulson was just thrown out there and, and the Bush administration just like hid. I mean, do you remember Bush even coming out and like no. saying, I'm really like, this is like really big. He did like one speech and Hank Paulson was like the fucking No, they just throw these people out. They just throw these people hilarious. out as scapegoats. And just have them take the fall, and then it just whatever the news cycle focuses on something else. It's like, oh, we just gave like trillions of dollars to overseas bank accounts mm-hmm. with your money. Oh, sorry, we had to do it, otherwise the economy would have collapsed. What would you rather do, the economy to collapse, or us to just pay trillions of dollars to banks that can't tell you why? Or, I mean, it's like, well, what? And then there's just no public discourse at all, no anything. I mean, Christ, look what's happened since then. Cyprus, the bail-in shit, like how yeah. now they're now they're telling people if they have just over a hundred thousand dollars in the bank account, the government can just take it. And I mean, I don't even. It's so disturbing, Robbie. It really is. And the and the Republicans are like they like to play this game political theater where they go after Obama from Benghazi and go after mm-hmm. from the IRS, and then they 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 tried out these people, the Obama administration trots out like Susan Rice as the scapegoat or the person who ran the IRS or whatever and then have the Republicans grill them on television and then ultimately nothing really ever comes of it, maybe like people resign or get fired but if the Republicans were really this upset as they're acting about Obama's presidency, they would have already called for his impeachment but well, notice, you know notice they how they're not because, doing that? Well, they can't, Robbie, because they're doing the same shit. So all they can call them out is for these like superficial things. And it, and it, and it shows that, that it's partisan. disingenuous. Yeah. Right. If they really hated him, they would call for his impeachment. Just like when the Democrats were right. in control, right. they would have called for Bush's impeachment. But, you know, they're culpable. And there's they didn't really hate him that much, obviously. I was finding all these other clips online. I couldn't have time to put them in American Bisque. But I found a few of them, different Republicans on talk shows talking about how they wish that Saddam didn't accept weapons inspectors. They were like mad. They were sort of fuming about the fact that Saddam had let the weapons inspectors in. And they were sort of acting like, I wish he didn't let them in so that we could just invade and take him out. Yeah, dude. But that made me think, okay. Yeah, dude. If that was sort of the mode of thought back then. Maybe this whole thing was a bluff. Maybe they, maybe they just assume that Saddam Hussein, since he's always had the, that kind of attitude, would be like, and he and he saber rattled with the U.S. before, would just be like, no, fuck you, <laughs> and like they were almost like like Saddam called our bluff by right, letting right, the weapons right. inspectors in, and we just cut it off. People, this is the part that gets lost in the history of the Iraq War. It wasn't that they didn't find weapons of mass destruction. It was that we cut the UN weapons yeah, inspections off. Yeah, we pulled off, them out. We and we never out. looked for those fucking weapons with our soldiers. Are you kidding me? That movie Green Zone with Matt Damon, like looking for the weapons. That's bullshit. We. I don't even <laughs> believe that we even like feigned doing that. No. We it was, a, it was a nuisance. 
It was a nuisance, like you just said. It was an irritant. Yeah. They didn't want to go in there and, and play the game and, and go through all no. the protocol. They wanted to fucking go in and invade, dude. We knew this shit the years before 9-11. Yeah, and, and the way Colin Powell does Insulting. his speech, there's so many more things in his speech than, than have anything to do with weapons Saddam has. They're obviously making the case for a war whether the, the, they find weapons or not. It's obvious from his speech. All you have to watch is that he goes into all this bullshit about how Saddam is linked to Al-Qaeda and all these bizarre, complete, like, six degrees of separation style ways. It's just ridiculous. Let's talk about what's going on now. So aside from the insane Edward Snowden revelations, and then on top of that, all these other NSA whistleblowers and kind of the attack on press, Michael Hastings' mysterious death, um, I just, you know, we never hear about the Third Amendment. Um, and, and there's actually a story that just came out that's really interesting about the Third Amendment. Um, how basically the Third Amendment says that you... It's against the law for a person to have military troops quartered in their home against their will. Like, not either in a time of war or not in a time of war. I mean, either way, it's illegal, you know? So what happened in, like, some small town in Nevada, um, these cops, the police force, wanted to perform a stakeout at this guy's house because they were suspecting his neighbor or whatever. And so they called him and, you know, and said, you know, we want to use your house as a stakeout. And the guy said, no. <laughs> And, uh, and so he refused the stakeout. Hours later, his door gets busted down, literally. Cops come in and pepperball him as he's laying in a fetal position on the floor, like completely terrorizing him. And they pepperball his dog. What is a pepperball? It's like a paintball, but pepper spray. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it's like a BB gun. That's like, it's like up. very hard. I mean, it's one of those Leave less than lethal. It's one of those less than lethal rounds. Whatever the fuck that means. I want to have someone on the show, like, hitting me with less than re lethal things is like an experiment. I don't know if I can get, like, like legal, um, whatever. <laughs> so anyway, this, so the cops come in, completely terrorize this poor man. Then arrest him for obstructing an officer after ransacking his entire home. And they did this to his father, too. So then his father and him are in jail for, like, an entire day, and they just occupied his home anyway and did the stakeout. Isn't that amazing? And that's and then now they're suing him. After all of this shit happened, they're suing them for a violation of the Third Amendment. They're like, I never thought that we'd be conjuring up this archaic amendment that was initiated when like British forces were threatening Americans to come in their home. He's like, but here we are, you know, in the over militarized police that we have now that act like troops. That's then really I crazy. guess this is something that we need to worry about now. Troops just coming in and occupying your home and arresting you for refusing to let them do that. Unbelievable, right? That just happened. It is unbelievable. And I mean, but this is what happens when the morals, the moral hierarchy is completely gone. And it's not the generic stupid thing or we have no God, you know, not like that kind of thing. It's that our government has been openly publicizing the fact that they are fucking insane like <laughs> serial killer like mentality like right. so i mean it's not it's just not that surprising when i hear about police just assuming they could abuse their power and get away with it if this if the federal government itself has the same mentality and they have for over a decade just blatantly like we're just yeah. gonna fucking you know like the boston thing i mean yep it's like when they're given all these toys they're just like, well, what the fuck do you want us to do? We're given, like, tanks and, like, SWAT gear that looks like yeah. goddamn, like, Fallujah invasion gear. 
I mean, what do you want us to do? We obviously have to like act like troops. Yeah, it's like what Fletcher, troops. Fletcher Prouty in, in the JFK movie said. It's like uh, when those when all the Cuban um, mercenaries had their their dicks in the wind. Like yep. they were they were all like basically like their operation was shut down. Like they, it's like people in the position of power like that when they have these sort of like tools and, and weapons to use. There's this animalistic instinct that drives you to want to be in a situation to use those. When you're when you a lot of cops and they become cops, they dream of going into a firefight. Absolutely, it's sort of like a fantasy of theirs. And I'm not speaking for or all like cops, troops but, who want to shoot people at war. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. Or that scene I mean, in, in Generation Kill, which is a good show. I recommend everybody check out. <laughs> where the where the um, one of the Iraq soldiers in Iraq was like, he's just like this crazy um, hick guy, and he he wanted to get shot. Like he was just like yeah. standing up on top of the tank, like wait, like with his arms out, like waiting to get shot. Like it's just like one, he was just like a crazy kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there, yeah. I mean, it's all stripes, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, just like that, that footage that we just saw of the cop simply arresting a guy for filming them, which first of all is not against the law at all. In like certain states it is though. Now. In certain states yeah. they are, but, but people are winning the cases when it actually gets down to it. But yes, they are trying to pass measures to prevent filming police. That is true. However, in this case, the, there was no law. It was in California. And, um, this guy is just simply outside of his house filming a bunch of cops and he has a pit bull. And so the pit bull, he, he the pit bull is just kicking it. It's like on a leash or whatever. And, and he sees that the cops like see him. Have you seen this footage? Um, no. Oh, okay. So, so the cops see him filming. And so he's just very casually and like other people are filming this guy. It's not that you're seeing this from the guy's view. It's like someone else. Cause the cops are fucking there. They're like all over the street. So of course the neighbors are going to be filming. Like what the hell is going on? Um, why are there so many police here and what's, what's happening? So, so people are filming this guy, filming the cops, the cops kind of start walking toward the guy. The guy realizes that they're probably going to, you know, fuck with him. He goes and puts his dog in the car. The window's open, however, and, it, and like it's not open enough where the dog would be able to jump out easily, though. It's just like open a little bit so the dog isn't suffocating. Oh. So then the cops just come and immediately arrest the guy and like are start manhandling him. And he's like, he's like, oh, shit, like, why are you arresting me? You know, and, and they like aggressively like start arresting him. The, the dog being a good dog, seeing his owner get like manhandled by strangers jumps out of the car toward the police and the police just execute the dog right there. Like immediately they just kill him, like shoot him like five times and the dog just dies. Holy shit. <laughs> it's so sad. And everyone just starts screaming and the dog just like whimpering it. Like, like he could have easily just tased the dog. Um, maybe just like, I don't know. I, I just feel like there are alternatives to just executing a pet. Like, for no reason. It was just the most insane footage. Like, it's so disturbing. And this is just really the behavior of police now. It's really sad. Yeah. Power tripping, like, psychotic people. Yeah, it's pretty amazing how many videos there are of not just police, but, like, soldiers shooting dogs. Yeah. And, like, all it's funny how all all these comments on it are, like, defending it, saying, like, well... Well, they had to shoot the dog because it was, warning. yeah, like it was going to give away their location to the enemy because the dog was barking. They had to kill it. It's like, wouldn't a gunshot give away their location? That's war, bro. <laughs> it's fucking war. <laughs> war is war. hell, You just got to beat goats with a bat because that's war. War is hell. You got to like tell like little Arab boys how to uh, like sodomize each other because that's war. War equals hell. Can't blame any soldiers. 
You just gotta blame the act of war, Robbie. But you can't blame the act of war, because war will always happen, it's always been here, and it always will happen. It's just inevitable. Um, there's another really disturbing aspect of the film that, you know, we've all seen the collateral murder video, of course, but this, this film actually displays raw footage of kind of zeroing in on how we conduct drone wars and just like bombing, aerial bombings, and it's so unsettling because it makes you feel like you're playing like Call of Duty, but even weirder because it's like this you know, inverse lighting where you're like looking at like, I don't know, like infrared. Yeah, it's the photography. It's bizarre and it's just so disturbing that this is the way we conduct wars now and this is what's defended by the democratic establishment. I just interviewed Howard Dean today, which I'll link to, but he was completely, you know, he's definitely strayed far from where he was in 2004 running for president when he was staunchly anti-war. He was very radically against like the, the narrative at the time and he was phased out. And now um, he's kind of just using those same talking points about drones, how they're, you know, it's better than putting troops on the ground. And it's just like, why would we need to put troops on the ground in Yemen? Like what? I mean, why is that our only option to either blow up Yemen with drones or put troops on the ground? Like it, there's all these bizarre things that um, that unfortunately are just parroted and kind of accepted in the establishment and a lot from a lot of the Democratic Party, too, which is kind of accepting that there is this existential threat. It's a threat that needs to be dealt with. It's a threat that we need to be spending half of our tax dollars to fight. You know, regardless of the fact yeah. that, of course, drones are creating probably more blowback and, and damage and devastation, terrorizing these countries on a daily basis. So a <clears throat> really, really fascinating interview to get kind of this guy who I used to look up to a lot when I first started getting into politics and seeing kind of where he's, where he's gone now. But I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, that Howard Dean interview was very fascinating. I'm just shocked that he went on your show in the first place. It's so bizarre. <laughs> Did he not understand what he was getting into? Like, <laughs> it was really good. Wait, I just read, Robbie, it's so crazy, because every day I'm reading these horrible headlines about Iraq. I mean, completely destabilized. The country's in complete sectarian civil war right now. I mean, essentially. Bordering Syria. And, you know, Iraq pushed the U.S. troops out. Obama tried to stay in Iraq, and so for people who would give him credit for actually ending the Iraq war, that actually was not him. He tried to extend the deadline, and the Iraqi interim government tr actually forcibly pushed the U.S. out at the demand of the people. Yep. So we've left the country in complete ruins. I'm not saying that we should have stayed there, obviously, but the country's in complete ruins because of you know a decade of harsh sanctions that killed half a million children on top of that. A decade-long brutal occupation that was just destroying everything, looting, raping, pillaging, killing. And now the country's so destabilized, there's suicide bombings going on every fucking day, uh, it seems. And on top of that, the Pentagon is trying to sell Iraq like $3 billion worth of weapons right now. I don't know who's buying it, how they have money to buy these weapons, but it's only just to feed into the Syrian war, where they're hoping that they can sell these weapons to somehow gain some sort of leverage over like Iran's arms shipments to Syria. So basically in order to fuel another war, we're using <laughs> Iraq to try to like pour in weapons. <laughs> it's just, it's the worst thing ever. I, mean, I just can't even believe what's going on there right now. I mean, it is really astounding to think about just the, um, if we actually could, you know, know about all these different 
arms deals and proxy wars that we're waging through our various intelligence networks and through the black market and you know the drug trade right now it would i think it would just blow your mind mm-hmm. because we think about things like the iran contra scandal as being like a black mark on our history mm-hmm. where you know we got caught basically doing what the cia has been doing for almost since its inception which is you know, um, making allies, allying themselves with criminal organizations, whether that be armed rebels in various countries, drug traffickers, um, mobsters, people who can get things done that are operating in the criminal underworld already. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you know, the the stuff like this that you're talking about is publicly reported on sometimes. But just imagine the amount of shit that isn't and how there's probably, you know, an Iran-Contra scandal-like thing happening constantly, especially in the wake of the war on terror. Like, you you know, you think that opium is just staying in Afghanistan and it's not being, in any way, the money from that is not being used by the CIA or, you know, our foreign policy apparatus in the Middle East, or that we're not, you know, working even both sides of some of these sectarian conflicts, you know? Absolutely. I mean... This is an imperialist tactic since the very beginning of imperialism. You you fund both sides of a war or a civil war, and then you're left with, you know, it's just like scorched earth. You, you've, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's clear I mean, that we're that the U.S. government is trying to completely destabilize that entire region. I mean, that that's very obvious. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and this is just another avenue to do so. And in Syria, it's a whole other battle because, you know, I'm not pro-Assad by any means, and I don't want to be advocating one side of this military chess game or another, but it is very strange that the U.S. government claims to be fighting a war against al-Qaeda specifically, not even just terrorism. I mean, we've already declared a full-on war against al-Qaeda, yet they are literally funding them with billions of dollars of arms just to overthrow the Assad regime. So you have to ask yourself, what is this really about? I mean, I'm sure the listeners of this podcast already see through the noise and the rhetoric, but it is, I just, it never ceases to amaze me how hypocritical the policy is when you look at these individual countries. And I wanted to say one other thing about the wars, when you said that, you know, if we could get a glimpse of what is really, like, the, ex- the extent of, you know, these special ops and, and arms deals and all this stuff, and I just wanted to encourage everyone to watch Dirty Wars, Jeremy Scahill's documentary. It should be on demand still. <clears throat> but, you know, you think you know, but you have no idea. And this is just one element of the, that kind of idiom is... Is that even a word, idiom? Yeah. <laughs> it's one aspect of the Afghanistan war where we hear about these night raids going on and, you know, there's there's these night raids that somehow are miscalculated sometimes and they go and, like, you know, accost a, an innocent family and, and kill everyone in the family and then they're like, oops, we thought that you were this guy or whatever. These things are happening every day. And Jeremy Scale, as he's researching just one of these night raids, which is just beyond kind of the green zone of where press is allowed to go and and all that he goes out and actually gets embedded and goes to meet this family and during his quest he realizes that this is literally like one out of like hundreds of these night raids that are happening every day and it kind of put the dots together when after you know the u.s government or or seal ops or whatever allegedly went and and killed bin laden that day in the night raid um, Hillary Clinton came out and said, oh, well, these are very common. These happen every day, almost. And I thought, mm-hmm. what? So who are you targeting? If you're, this is, these are happening every day, who are these people that are being the targets of? And then I kind of forgot about it, and then seeing Dirty Wars, I was like, oh, my God. Well, it's, all, it's almost like, 
you know, I keep mentioning this when I when I talk about our foreign policy tactics, and I think everybody, you know, we keep mentioning all these movies everybody needs to see, but you need to see Dirty Wars. <laughs> you need to also see Power of Nightmares, mm-hmm. excellent three-part documentary by Adam Curtis. It's one of the best... Um, dismantlings of the war on terror narrative that you'll ever see. And the origin of Al-Qaeda and how it became yeah. what it is. Yeah, and how even when you know Syrian rebels use the mantle of Al-Qaeda, they're not necessarily connected to bin Laden or Zerwahiri. They're more just using that as a label mm-hmm. for them. It's more of a tactic. Mm-hmm. You know, The actual Al-Qaeda network when 9-11 happened was no more than maybe like 75 to 100 individuals, very loosely connected even, mm-hmm. you know, at best. And... Um, and the, the documentary that I think everybody needs to see as well is uh, called The Trap by Adam Curtis. It's a three-part documentary about the concept of game theory and how game theory relates to statistical analysis as man- a management tool. But the most interesting part of it for me was just learning how this concept of game theory was used during the Cold War. That we would in the movie Doctor Strange Love is almost like a parody of game theory by the mm-hmm. idea that they do the doomsday device, you know, to prevent um, nuclear warfare by creating a device where if someone launches a nuke at them it'll destroy the whole world automatically. Right. That's that's kind of almost like a parody of game theory, which is you know, if you relate it to something like the Cold War, an example of it would be um, we need to uh, you know, imagine that Russia has all the same weapons that we do or counter uh, measures to our weapons. So we need to have countermeasures for their countermeasures. Yeah. You know? And then you could extrapolate that even further. Well, we need to have countermeasures, for, you know, they might have countermeasures for our countermeasures right. to their countermeasures. <laughs> so when you, th- when you think about that philosophy and how it still guides American foreign policy now, you know, we don't wage wars anymore by sending tanks into neighborhoods, you know. I mean, we do sometimes, like Iraq, mm-hmm. you know, in the initial stage of the invasion. But once we sort of do that, you know, or in Afghanistan, where we are now in the war, it's almost like pre-crime. It's like these militants, or supposed militants, you know, while they're sleeping in their homes at night, our intelligence is so sophisticated that if we can figure out where they are before they even launch an attack against us, then send in like a SWAT team-like raid into their house. It's it's almost just like game theory taken to the battlefield. It like, is it is exactly pre-crime, and it's taking that yeah. minority report concept into real life, and it is very disturbing. And I think on top of that is the mathematical patterns of like drone attacks, how they're literally basing where they're raining down these Hellfire missiles on groups of people running around on the ground and the yeah, patterns and, then, and like the analysis of these of these patterns. Yeah, and like an aggregated intelligence data that just like simplifies, you know, people's movements and behaviors and you know, and we have all this metadata now. If any of these militants are on social networks or using right. cell phones, then the NSA can connect this metadata map together and probably just rank on it who is the most likely to be a threat and who, you know, who's not kind of a thing and then just isolate that and then they further refine that data more with maybe actual, real, you know, aerial intelligence and then that's how they select these people. And unfortunately, so we have no, there's no recourse at all for the people. I mean, for all of these people, <laughs> like, they, there's no trial, there's no criminal investigation on, like, if that's, if that's based on any sort of reality at all. So literally these entire special ops and dirty wars are taken on the merit of the government's word that they somehow have intelligence that proves that these people are plotting to kill Americans because that's really what it boils down to and really I mean 
That's ludicrous. I mean, oh yeah, I also wanted to, to talk about this interview that I did with Lance Dehaven Smith. He's this guy who wrote a book called Conspiracy in America, or Conspiracy Theory in America. He's this awesome guy, writer for Project Censored, and I remember seeing his research talking about SCADs, which is State Crimes Against Democracy, and he's used it as a term to replace that blanket term conspiracy theory because he, his whole critical analysis is that you know, the label is so pejorative and it's used to just dumb down all debate and conversation about anything, any questioning at all of government narratives. And of course, there are baseless, unfounded theories that are conspiratorial, of course. But unfortunately, there's no distinction whatsoever between those baseless, unfounded theories and legitimate conspiracies that do occur and that are proven. And so his whole analysis over like the, the last 50 years um, is just talking about the evolution of this word, how it's been used to really dumb down the dialogue and how we're scared to really analyze real historical events because we're scared of this label. And the press yeah. has done a really good job of, of discrediting anyone. And his, his whole thing is starts off at the Warren Commission because this is really when we saw that label smack down on anyone who was questioning the Warren Commission and the JFK assassination, which was obviously... A conspiracy. I mean, if you look at that in any sane, rational way, you can see that there's something very wrong with what we were told about what happened. Nothing really adds up. And so ever since then, it's just been used. It's a very, very useful tool for the establishment. And look where we are today. We're now, that label's still as strong as ever. And now there's a conspiracy culture of people who just discredit legitimate truth-seeking even more by blanketly applying that label to literally every event that happens, whether it be a hurricane or a mass shooting. And so it's really done a lot of damage. And I'm not blaming these people for questioning these events and, and blaming them for discrediting us for being like legitimate conspiracy theorists. I'm just saying that it's the establishment's fault for lumping us in with everything and all questioning in total from this term. And it's so destructive. And I really like how this guy broke it down because it's just very... It's just very true, and unfortunately, you know, after doing that segment, I thought that it would, it, I thought that it was a very like, good, intelligent segment. And of course, I got trolled so hard by people who are just like, "You're, you're a conspiracy theorist." I'm like, "Oh my god, did you, are you like lacking intelligence so much that you can actually watch someone dissect like the origin of this term and the way it's been used to shut down critical thinking, and then that's that's your response <laughs> to me?" It's like, well, of course, I mean, people, <laughs> people just. And, and they move the goalposts, too. I mean, so many people, you know, I, I argue with people on this music forum about politics, and I was, for a while, like, the only person who would bring up these political topics, like, you know, things like spying mm -hmm. and civil liberties erosion and stuff like that. And, you know, people constantly call me a tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy theorist when I would bring up things like mass surveillance and how you can be spied on for not even being a suspected terrorist and, and things like that. And now it's just like they just pretend they never said that. <laughs> I mean, they, what are they going to do? Say, oh my God, I was so fucking stupid. Right, right. And childlike for using an ad hominem attack on you for just b not wanting to believe something that was too part of a pill for me to swallow. You're never going to hear someone be that humble and admit, you know, but it's like the people who are who stay in that zone of constantly, you know, calling other people conspiracy theorists, it's just, they're just always going to be there. They don't, yeah. it's just like, they're, they're rejecting, it's like you're rejecting an entire world of information based on, you know, maybe One some label. bad pieces of information or, 
um, you know, information in it that offends you or something. Mm-hmm. I, I, it is really, um, it is a really big problem. But I mean, when it comes down to it, anyone who's just going to immediately throw that label at you for suggesting that the Bush administration um, didn't act on purpose on 9/11 is not—they're not even worth engaging in a debate with, you know, because the facts are there; they're out there. Just right. because they read something about the buildings being demolished that they thought was too um, hard to believe, doesn't mean that they have the the like intelligent. Um, knowledge to be like, oh, well, any alternate theory of 9-11 is a bullshit conspiracy theory. It's just not even worth it. It's you're, like, you're absolutely right. Someone and like Rachel Maddow is a good example. I was it's just like gonna she's bring obviously been fucking brainwashed and uses that as a crutch to reject even going there. Even though she so goes funny. there yeah, when it's exactly. convenient for her. Exactly. She goes there wanted, when it's convenient. I wanted to talk specifically about that because, you know, I like Rachel Maddow. She's one of the few people that I actually enjoy watching because I agree with a lot of what she says no matter what anyone tries to I tell me I liked her until about 2008. But I mean, yes, I don't watch her regularly, but I have seen her do good things about, you know, when she's attacking the GOP, it's fun to watch. She makes good points. But however, I mean, of course, she's serving a tool. She's trying to divide and conquer of course, when you're only attacking the GOP and you have really softball interviews toward like Democratic leadership heads and and you're being really soft on Obama and saying like, oh, well, I trust Obama more than I do this and that. Of course, that's a, you're a tool. You're serving a tool for the establishment. You're serving a particular narrative and that's how you have the position that you have. But yeah, I mean, and, and I saw her, you know, demonize people who were questioning like 9-11 and, and other government narratives a while back. And I just thought, wow, that's so offensive like the way that she was framing it and saying that we what's well, appeal to ridicule she, she yeah she has this incredulousness it's it's the and it, that's almost like an ad hominem logical right, fallacy in itself to being like you know these people who believe in 9-11 think that it's some sort of conspiracy to take over the world or something or that it's a hoax or that it yeah. never happened it's like it's it's well then then it's like a mixture between an ad hominem and a straw man. Just her, her tone of voice in and of itself shows that she doesn't even want to touch it as a serious point of debate. And know? it's so condescending. And so she does this this hit piece again, or I mean before in in the middle of that. So I've heard her attack nine eleven stuff, of course, and then she did that whole episode like last year where she's actually promoting the commission report and its comic book version which is so which is so offensive too because it's like look even if you're trying to go out of your way to promote the official story like at least if you have any sort of investigative qualities whatsoever you would have at least known that the commission members themselves have come out and said the commission's a total joke so you could have just promoted the narrative without actually trying to sell the commission report book and say how amazing it was and what a what a pioneering piece of journalism it was how they tried to you know they tried to put it down where everyone can understand it and they even released a comic book it's like well why are you doing this when we know that you know max cleland thomas Keene, all these people have even said it was set up to fail it was a fucking farce so it's just an insult to anyone's intelligence who have looked into it at all to say that. And then in the wake of the Boston bombings, when she, you know, we know that the Sarnave brothers actually did think that 9-11 was an inside job. But on top of that, they also had a lot of other kooky, um, they actually did follow a lot of like interesting, some kooky, some really um, interesting theories. And, and I'm not like trying to lump in all of them together and say that 9-11 truth is kooky at all. I'm just saying... Um, yes, that is true. Like the brother tweeted, like nine eleven was an inside job or whatever. But the brother also allegedly, and who even knows if this is fucking true? But he allegedly said that U.S. foreign policy 
was the motivating factor behind why the Boston bombings happened. So for her to come out after the Boston bombings and say, these necrotizing conspiracy theories always lead to justification for violence and is using the Sarnay brothers' interest in 9-11 conspiracies as like a, 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 a rationale of why Boston bombings happened. And it was just such a stretch. Well, and it was so crazy. It's such a, a false argument. I mean, just on... Just if you want to talk about the type of people who are into, you know, the conspiracy theory culture in general, there's a lot of unstable people out there mm-hmm. who are who gravitate towards that. But that doesn't mean that everything in that's that sort of lumped into that world is invalidated because of it. I mean, right. you'll you'll come across things constantly which will be well proven historical you know, historical fact that are mixed in with that, that people might just reject out of hand because they're, they're, you know, they have some sort of problem with conspiracy theories. Like, you know, the Smedley Butler World War II, you know, coup attempt, you know, you see that mentioned a lot on these websites about um, conspiracy theories, but that really happened. Like, that's a right. real thing. Um, <laughs> so, so did the, um, you know, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there's just so many, so many things that you can think of, you know. Um, uh, I, I don't right, and that's what no, and that's basically, and of course, Rachel Maddow has said her herself, which you just pointed out, that she does believe that there was foreknowledge and that it was ignored, and that's really that is you are a truther. If you think that the Bush administration had foreknowledge and that it was intentionally ignored, then sorry, but you are lumped into this movement, like the movement of questioning the fact that a the government let it happen, or b they they ensured that it did, and. And that's and what you just said also is what this professor said, Lance Haven Smith, who said, instead of he's because I asked him how can we rid ourselves of this? How can we open the dialogue and actually have a constructive debate about these things without being subjected to this like erroneous label and stuff? And he said we need to look at things as they are, like the facts that we know, and and analyze all of them individually. Like you just said, the Smedley Butler thing that happened. The Gulf of Tonkin operation, that was a lie. That's proven. Um, Operation Northwoods, that happened. So there, there are these things where you can't just dismiss them outright and say, oh, all of this is nonsense. It's like, no, these things actually happened. Yeah, so if you like can the understand... Put options, the yeah. put options on 9-11, those happened yeah. and nobody was ever arrested for them. Right. That That's an actual fact. I mean, that's not like conspiracy theory or it's been disproven. It's just still out there. And I think what distinguishes Rachel Maddow, someone who believes that there was foreknowledge that wasn't acted on, from an actual, what I would consider a truther, what distinguishes her from a truther is that she thinks that the case is closed. And even though she may believe that, it's not worthy of looking into deeper and mm-hmm. like continuing to follow that and find out why. Mm-hmm. Why did, didn't they act? Right. You know? Instead, it's just like, for her, the incompetence angle is strong enough for her to just kind of be like, oh, well, you know, the Bush administration was really bad. Yeah, they were really dumb. It wasn't that Cheney and Rumsfeld and Powell and all these mofos were so connivingly evil, and they've been perpetuating game theory for the last, like, 50 fucking years behind the scenes in these administrations. No, no, they're, yeah, they just, you know, whatever, never saw it coming. It's like, come on, these people are a lot more savvy than you're giving them credit. And I think Bush being the, the figurehead for it is just so perfect. Because even to this day, I mean, people, even like Amira, the girl on my team was still saying like, oh, well, Bush is so dumb. He's so dumb. And I'm just like, but that's... 
but the people behind him weren't, and he really wasn't dumb. I mean, he wasn't dumb. Um, but Bradley, speaking of Bradley Manning, he's testifying tomorrow. He's giving his closing statement on the trial, and it's been really interesting because Liz, my friend Liz at RT, has been attending the trial this whole time, and she she said that the way that they're treated is very fascinating. I mean, of course, it's on a military base, so you would expect to get like really aggressively treated and searched, but. But for the last couple times that they were in the the um, press room watching it, because only a f very few amount of people are allowed in the actual courtroom, so a lot of the spillover press is like watching it from this little TV. <clears throat> exactly. Um, but they but they actually like did not let anyone even like use Twitter or like it it was like slowly started to get even more hardcore toward the end. <clears throat> and she said that it was really funny because during the closing arguments, apparently the fence gave like this fucking epic argument about how just how, what a, what precedent this would set if they did if he did get charged with aiding the enemy thank god he didn't however the charges that he's faced with could still land him in prison for over 100 years so that's not really that big of a deal but yes i mean the aiding the enemy charge is really scary because he could land you the death penalty but but during this epic defense closing argument apparently the collateral murder video got like stuck on a loop and it was just like playing over and over again like in the trial isn't that bizarre? And she was like, the prosecution's face was like, like priceless having to watch this. <laughs> so crazy. So crazy. But um, so that's happening and, and we'll find out his sentencing soon. Um, but yeah, so, so that's going on. There's just a lot of a lot of crazy stuff. Unfortunately, Congress has been on recess for the last month, so we don't really kind of hard to get like any interviews in dc right now we're, we're taking a little break off the show for two weeks um i'm coming home actually i'm really excited about that so we'll do another radio show when i'm home talking about all the updates but well, let's wrap it up because i'm gonna i'm gonna make some dinner and uh it was really awesome to catch up let's just release this in full and everyone check out the soundcloud timeline uh check out my brother's website recordlabelrecords.org he does a lot of great uh, uh electronic music he has a lot of great artists on his label, support independent artists, and, and check out my art website, abbymartin.org. Um, getting a lot of love there, so I appreciate everyone's feedback. And check out mediaroots.org, American Bisque, and Breaking the Set. And uh, thanks so much for listening, Yeah.
فقير وتمدني وملا هلو قلاش ميكنا تطاهوين بمن سبب نتلاش